0: I can't handle the Kings being a good team and having expectations. It's just, it's killing me right now. It's, uh, it just, this hurts. This four game losing streak has just been so terrible. And you know, the Kings played absolutely awful when the refs kind of screw the Kings at the end of the game. And like no Kings fan cares because the Kings played absolutely horrible the entire game. Like, yeah, there was a missed call at the end. It doesn't matter because if the Kings showed just the slightest bit of effort through any of the game, they would have won this game like probably pretty easily. Just one of the the saddest performances of the season. But I mean, can I even say that anymore? Like there have been so many of these. I just, I don't get it. And the the kind of funniest, but I'm not laughing right now, funniest parts of this game was just how it ended how it uh, you know was so similar to the sun's game except opposite but the pacers actually you know found a way to win the game in the end king started the comeback a little too late maybe i mean fox was fouled uh, on the inbounds like before the ball was inbounded and that's actually not the first time that's gone uncalled fox is always falling getting shoved coming around that screen on the same play Uh, but let's be honest here he goes to the free throw line he's probably missing the free throws anyways so what does it even matter i mean at this point teams might as well just start fouling the kings on every possession and sending them to the free throw line 18 for 32 like i thought we were just going through a bad spell at the line and I understood that we were never going to be a great free throw shooting team. But this is just reaching new levels. Monk going one for six from the free throw line, including the two at the end. I mean, I just like, where do I even start with this game though? Because it's like, yeah, we make free throws, we probably win the game. But, but do we? I don't even know. But then you could also look at the defense, and then you could look at, I mean, you can look at so many different things. And that, you know, fake comeback at the end, like, I just, I don't care. Like, that doesn't do anything for me at all. Just like I said, it was a pretty fluky comeback for the Suns to come all the way back. I mean, it's the same here. You know, if I'm a Suns fan after that last game, obviously I'm happy that the Suns won, but the performance was still horrible. And, you know, as a Kings fan, I was like, there are still positives to take out of this. And it's the same thing here. Like, this fake comeback, it just, it doesn't do anything for me. You got to play like that the whole game. And it took them until, like, four minutes left to realize that, hey, this point guard, who's their only point guard that they have available, who's just killing us every time down, maybe... Maybe we should start throwing some bodies at him. I'm someone who, big picture-wise, can usually stay calm, you know, not panic about this team. But honestly, I'm at the point where, like, I'm kind of panicked. This is just coming off of, obviously, a horrible loss against Philadelphia where we got blown out when they didn't have Joel Embiid. And they usually suck without Joel Embiid. Then going into Milwaukee... Like, we played a great game. We did. And then Fox and Monk miss free throws. And then Monk's like, my bad sack. I'll be better. Well, when when is that better going to come? I mean, he's just so in his head about free throws. You go to the Suns game. Again, a good performance until the fourth quarter. And really until the second half of the fourth quarter. And so if they came into this game and looked good, and came away with a solid win. Like, the Pacers are a scrappy team. Obviously, without Halliburton, Siakam's not there there yet. They don't have Aaron Smith. You know, they don't have Bruce Brown, because they just traded him. Andrew Nembhard's out. They're still a pretty deep team, and so I expected some fight from them. But, like, if they just pull out, you know, a nice, solid win, then it's totally fine, because we saw the Kings capable of playing very well against Milwaukee and against Phoenix. But that not happening, like the response not coming in this game after those two losses is extremely worrying because now it seems like this team is, I don't know, a little bit broken after those losses. Malik Monk sure is. I mean, the dude is just totally in his head. His free throws just look horrible. Like they, it looks like he is really thinking about it and really aiming And not to mention every other part of Monk's game, which was horrible. And obviously, I'm not solely blaming Malik Monk, because it's definitely not just on him, but he has been really bad. And so yeah, I think it is time to get a little worried. And we're waiting to make a move for a defensive win, right? We all kind of realize that. But for this team to show so little fight in this game... Like, you don't need a defensive wing to be able to beat this shorthanded Pacers team at home. Like, there should be a response after that bad way to end a road trip. I don't know what it is, but Fox, I mean, he played 40 minutes in this game, but he does not look right at all. Obviously, he's missing free throws as well, 5 for 9, Sabonis 5 for 8. But Fox, I mean, he's just constantly grabbing his shoulder. And I've said it for the past week or two if he's not healthy, why can't we just sit him down? Because he's obviously, like, he's not able to contribute the way that he normally can. And obviously, he still can contribute some, but he's just, like, walking into the paint looking for fouls and just chucking up shots. And then on the defensive end, he's just gambling for steals and giving open lanes and getting burned by TJ McConnell. And so if he's not healthy, I just want him to sit down for a few games. Because look what happens when the Pacers sit down Halliburton for, you know, I think this was his fifth game missed because of the hamstring. Guys are able to step up. But when you have Fox out there, obviously not at 100%, like him still playing 40 minutes doesn't give anyone a chance to step up. And obviously it's not a guarantee that anyone would, but I don't know, I just don't like what I'm seeing from Fox right now at all. And this is not the first time this has happened. It happened last season where he played through injury. Then they sat him down for two games. He came back and he was amazing. There was a stretch of like 15 games, I think, last season where he said he was dealing with, was it a hamstring or something? You know, some discomfort. And he averaged like 19 points per game in that span on bad efficiency. He's in that exact same stretch right now. And the answer was just resting him a few games. And then he came out and was awesome for the rest of the season. And we can talk about him being off offensively. We can talk about the missed free throws. We can talk about Barnes not contributing anything offensively. We can talk about the bench not being very good offensively. But this game comes down to the defensive end. It comes down to the rotations not being there. It comes down to not making adjustments. And not being able to guard a simple pick and roll. When TJ McConnell just comes off a pick, going to his right, driving baseline every time, and just getting to the rim at will. Blowing right by Keegan, right by Barnes, getting by whoever it is. And it felt like the Kings were in two minds of how to defend it all night. It's like, if you're going to go under the screen, then I think they even... I think, was it Baby that said it on the broadcast? If you're going to go under on a screen, you got to get under and get back in front of him or else there's no point in going under the screen. But then there were times where it's like, are they switching? Are they trapping? Like there's a point where they would go under the screen, but then Sabonis would also stay with McConnell. And then it would be like, say Fox going under the screen, but then also just kind of being behind Sabonis trying to guard McConnell. And so there's two guys guarding him, but no one's up on him, so he can just freely make a pass. Like, if you're going to send two guys at him, just go over the screen and then trap him. And then even when they did switch, or when they got under and then got back in front of him, he was just going straight to the basket, either getting by the man and scoring, or if they did manage to contain him, the rotations were really poor, and there was just wide-open dunk after wide-open layup after wide-open dunk. Malik Monk's rotations were absolutely horrible. He allowed so many open shots. But he, I mean, he wasn't the worst. The worst was very clearly Harrison Barnes, who just, who played 22 minutes. You know, when you look at the rest of the starters, it's 38 minutes, 38 minutes, 39 minutes, 40 minutes. And all of them have 20 plus points. And then you look at Barnes, it's 22 minutes, two points, one assist, one rebound, one turnover, and so he was a nothing offensively and he was a very negative defensively. There was one play where he just kind of, it was like in transition, he just kind of stood in, in, in the paint, like near the free throw line, just kind of stood there. Miles Turner just runs right behind him and gets a dunk. What are you doing? In the third quarter, at the start of the third quarter, you could see they made adjustments to try to take away the open layups and open dunks. And, you know, that worked for a bit but it worked because they were getting wide open threes and then just missing them. And again, they were sending players to try to clog up the paint and stay in front of whoever the ball handler was, but they weren't actually making any effort to make the ball handler uncomfortable or cut the passing lanes. And so there was just constant easy pass to the wing, every the opposite wing every single time for an open three. I I think this was the poorest defensive performance of the season. Because, you know, with that fake comeback at the end, it was about putting pressure on the ball. And they would send numbers and try to trap McConnell or whoever had the ball and force them to make passes under pressure or to try to dribble out of pressure. And that's what the Kings needed to be doing all game. Not necessarily trapping full court, but just actually putting some sort of pressure on the ball so they can't just whip perfect passes all around the court. I think something that's pretty underrated in the NBA is how important accurate passes are. To put a a pass right in a guy's shooting pocket just allows so many different opportunities because the game of basketball, it's about like half-second decisions And so for a guy to just catch it perfectly and either be able to shoot before the contest gets there or to be able to drive or make a pass and to not have to, you know, catch it above his head and maybe jump and then land. And then the defenders right there and the rotations are getting reset. That's so important. And so to not force any tough passes is just making it so hard on yourself to be able to rotate. Because at that point, the rotations have to be perfect and they have to be really quick. And that is very hard to do. And obviously, this Kings team with minimal length and size, that already puts them at a disadvantage. The Kings weren't called for a defensive foul until well into the second quarter. And I think that tells you all you need to know about the physicality that the Kings were playing with. You know, if you're just... Think If you're just not really thinking about it, and you're just like, oh, the Kings haven't been fouling defensively. Oh, that's pretty good. Like, no. They're allowing wide open layups and wide open dunks. That's why they're not fouling. They're not playing physically at all. That's why they're not fouling. This Pacers team is also a horrible defensive team. And that third quarter especially was just no defense at all. There, It was wide open shots, wide open dunks. Keegan got like four straight open shots under the rim. Either dunks or he would get open under the rim and they would have to come foul him. Like the Pacers were trying to gift us a way back into the game by just letting Keegan make one cut on every single possession and get open under the rim. All it would have taken is just a little bit of defense from the Kings against a team, again, that has one point guard available. This is a young team, and you saw what happened when they were put under pressure. They absolutely cracked. The rebounding wasn't a problem in this game. They only allowed uh, four offensive rebounds. But man, the, the way that certain guys on this team rebound the ball really pisses me off. And it has come back to hurt us in the past. It's especially Fox and Monk, who just won't go and grab the ball. They insist on, like, constantly either batting the ball to someone else or they just won't go and get it. Like, there's the one Monk play on the offensive end where he could have just gone and grabbed the ball, but he's, like, leaning back, not totally going for it. And I think that kind of encapsulated the way that the Kings were playing the entire night of just getting out-hustled and not just going for the ball, being physical, not being afraid to mix it up. There's another play where I know Kevin Herter was involved and then maybe it was Keegan or Barnes or someone. Like, I think Keegan was maybe boxing someone out and then Herter didn't go and grab the ball again. Just, like, the Kings really have a problem with this. It really is a miracle that this team is a good defensive rebounding team and that just, you know, thank you, Sabonis, for that. But, man, like, we got bailed out because... The pacer ended up hitting it out of bounds, whoever it was. But it should have been easier than that. There are just so many little things that the Kings got outworked and out-hustled on. When you let a guy like Jairus Walker just sit on the perimeter and shoot three after three after three, like he missed his first three, three threes, and then he just kept getting open, eventually he's going to make them. And then just some of the ways that the Kings just look so relaxed with the ball especially especially Monk. Like He was just over-dribbling out there, and that led to some bad offensive possessions. And then he had that missed dunk, that wide-open dunk that led to then the Pacers going down the other end, getting free throws. He's just, he's really off right now, and I don't know what's going on with him. Despite all these, this just, you know, horrible defensive play, getting outworked, out-hustled, The Kings were still in this game, and they were in the game thanks to mainly Herter, also Keegan, Sabonis, Sasha also came in, gave some good minutes. Herter and Keegan were hitting those DHO3s to start the game, and then Keegan looked really confident attacking the rim off the dribble. Herter just looked confident in really every way. And he, he was doing it on both ends. Like, despite the Kings playing horribly defensively, there were certain guys that were definitely better than others, and it's just hard to play defense if, you know, it doesn't matter if you have three guys, even four guys, playing good defense. If one guy just totally switches off, then everything's going to fall apart. I thought there were some good rotations from Keegan to stop easy buckets at the rim. Herter was out there working defensively. And then Kings got within... They got within three at the end of the second quarter. And that was with uh 2.13 to go. The Pacers then proceeded to go on a 12-2 to run in the last, you know, about two minutes of the half. And there were a few bad plays. And Herter got blown by on one by TJ McConnell. Herter's not, you know, he's not the best point of attack defender. We know this. The problem was... No king was there to help at all. And the Pacers weren't even down the floor yet. And so that was just the Kings switching off. Barnes made a horrible pass and turned it over, trying to pass it down low to Sabonis. Don't know what that's about. The kings make so many, they made so many bad bounce passes in the paint and turned it over a lot in this game uh, inside. Not turning it over a lot in general, but just with those bounce passes inside. But then Barnes proceeded to not get back in transition, open dunk, even though it was a dead ball turnover, still didn't get back. And then more just TJ McConnell layups. So it felt like when the Kings got within three, when it was 58 to 55, they just like collectively turned their singular brain cell off. And immediately 12-2 run, 70 to 57 at half. And that really hurt because the Kings grinded to get back into it. And then, you know, at the sort of the third quarter, Herter was getting us back into it. Pacers were missing shots. Keegan was getting inside, getting dunks. And they got close. They got within two. And then the bench came in. And, you know, this is mostly Malik Monk because he was, he is the bench, you know. And he was horrible. And immediately that lead went right back up. Trey Lyles wasn't hitting from deep. And I don't think he was particularly good defensively. And so it's like they got within two, and then they just, again, collectively turned their brain off. And then, you know, they got within three at the end. Uh, So they they made runs to get back within one possession on three different occasions. And obviously, one of them was just too late. And on the other two, they immediately let the Pacers go on a big run. I think the Pacers got it back up to a 10-point lead by the end of the third quarter. You know, despite Fox, like I said, not having a good game and and not looking like himself, and I do want them to sit him down to get him healthy, but it was when he went to the bench that the Kings looked the worst. There's no doubt about that because then who's going to handle the ball? It's only Malik Monk in terms of perimeter players that are handling the ball, and when he's not playing well, then there's just no one else to go to at that point because if you go to Sabonis they're just going to double him inside he dominated in the first half 16 points only had five points in the second half that tends to be how it goes because teams start loading up against him and start doubling him and so then it's got to be on other guys and you could tell he got frustrated there were times where he tried to force it and that just that never works uh it's just going to result in turnovers he got his triple double 21 10 assists 11 rebounds he did have the the five fouls, but that didn't really impact his minutes in any way. Alex Len only played five minutes, uh, probably just because the Kings wanted to play more mobile players to be able to keep up with the, the Pacers' uh, fast pace. Keonella saw two minutes, didn't really do anything, and then just never saw the floor again. Uh, but Sasha Vazenkov came in and gave really good minutes. He went two for three from three got to the free throw line, you know, of course couldn't make both because that's just impossible for anyone on this team. But he was also given it defensively. Like, he's the one guy that actually guarded TJ McConnell well. He stripped him. And so he's looked good, and it's interesting, you know, going to him at the three, going with both him and Lyles at the same time. And then when Alex Len, uh wasn't out there with the bench unit, then you're playing Lyles at the five. And Sasha's been, he's been very good in the last few games where he's been given that rotational spot back. And the Kings, they've they have definitely, we found the rotation, right? We found the guys, and Mike Brown said this before the game, like the rotation is pretty much locked in at this point. We got our guys, and it's just about them, I mean, playing better at this point. It's just this loss comes at such a weird point because if we just make free throws against Milwaukee and then just, you know, don't turn the ball over a million times against Phoenix and come out with the wins in both of those games. Then we lose this game. It's like, well, you know, we went four and one on the road trip or, you know, we played really well. We beat some good teams, you know, this just, you know, it happens, but it's the fact that we lost both of those games and then we go home and, you know, the crowd is fired up. We're like, you know, we got to get back in the win column here, three straight losses going up against a very short-handed Pacers team and then the defensive intensity just isn't there. The Kings will make a trade. I'm sure of that. Some sort of trade for some wing. You know, I don't know who it will be. Somebody is coming to help this team. I have no doubts about that. But the trade deadline it just it can't come quick enough at this point we just we need the help we need someone to just inject some life into this team obviously there's no need to panic long term so you don't make a panic move just because the team has lost four games like we're still 23 and 18 we're still a relatively young team and you have to you know you, you don't panic and make a bad trade just to try to win this season but you do you have to do something to make sure that this isn't a lost season you know at least we come out of this game seeing keegan murray go 11 for 18 only hitting one three and getting 27 points along with nine rebounds and you have herder going 11 for 17 seven for 12 from three which is crazy and getting 31 points which i think is a career high i think his previous was 30 points It's great to have Herder back firing, and that's you know when this team is going to be at its best. And despite obviously losing four in a row, we are really close to be being able to win a lot more games and be near the top of the West in terms of at least the regular season, just by being able to insert someone other than Harrison Barnes into the starting lineup. And I just really hope it doesn't come at the expense of Kevin Herder, but. You have to give up talent to get talent. So it it very well might. The Kings' next game is actually like three days from now. Or they have three days off, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They play on Monday at home uh, against the Hawks. And this is before a big road trip. I was really hoping that uh, the Kings could have gone 2-0 on this homestand before a big road trip. But, well, now I just got to actually... Get a bunch of wins on this road trip. But going against the Hawks, last time we played them in Atlanta, it didn't go very well at the start. Uh, And the first half was absolutely horrible. One of the worst halves they've played all season. And then they were able to come back into it. But coming off this just horrible defensive performance against the Pacers, I'm just envisioning Jalen Johnson coming down the lane and dunking every single time. Or maybe it'll be lobs to Clint Capella, lobs to Onyeka Okongwu. I mean, I'm just imagining this Hawks team just dunking every single time against us. And uh, that, you know, it, it's very worrying. But like, we, we gotta win this game. Just have to stop this skid here. It's too early to really be concerned about uh, about the standings at this point and where we are. Everything's so packed. We're exactly halfway through the season, at least in terms of the Kings playing forty-one games, and so you can't you can't look at the standings yet. It's just taking it game by game at this point. I will most likely be making a, a mid-season grades episode in the coming days, probably before this game in Atlanta or not in Atlanta against Atlanta. And uh, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to take myself back to earlier times in the season because, you know, making a, a grades video during a, a four game losing streak, it's probably not going to, you know, reflect really well on the King There's probably going to be some bad grades. I got to make sure, you know, I'm encompassing the whole season, but right now that's, you know, it's kind of hard to think like that. But anyways, that is it for this episode of the Roll report. I will be back again to make that mid season grades episode. And so I'll see you guys then. Peace.